Hello and welcome to another episode of How Do You Jew? I'm Samantha Vinokur-Meinrat. And I'm El Harudi. And we're here like every week to talk about all things Jewy. Yeah, El, how's it going? It's great. It's uh, kind of summer. I don't know if we can call this summer. Can we? Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of like flash flood warnings on my phone, which feel kind of ominous and upsetting. Thunder, lightning, a bunch of rain. I mean, I'm glad I don't need to water my, my yard, but... No, you, like, I mean, we might have, like, an arc come by at any moment at this rate. Yeah, I was kind of really hoping, you know, snow is gone and, like, finally get that tan and no, rain. <laughs> absolutely not. Luckily, you have a natural tan. So nice, so nice. So I learned um, this past week that um, if I thought I can put away my vitamin D, no. I cannot because I live in Ohio. So, yeah. But this, is, this has really been, like... Very different than other summers here. This has been crazy. A friend of mine had come to visit. Her flight out was canceled. Oh, um, that's a thing now. No, no. So a lot of airlines are missing staff. And that's oh, the reason they're canceling. We thought it was because of the rain. No, a bunch of a bunch of airlines fly United. They don't cancel, I swear. <laughs> I love when we give these like endorsements for things that we're not actually affiliated with. Well, Dan works for United. Dan does work for United. <laughs> Shout out to United. My friend Brittany, Brittany, if you are a podcast listener, I'm not even quite sure if that's true, is a flight attendant for United. Oh, nice. Um, nice. I have no idea if she's ever listened so to So let's let's keep their jobs. Absolutely. Fly United. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a Delta, like, loyalist. Yeah. Um, and then I realized I was getting charged a fee for my Delta credit card, so I canceled it. So now I'm just, like, a free agent. <laughs> and granted, I haven't, you know, been able to really fly in, like, a year, year and a half. I've flown once. But other than that, I am ready to be courted by whichever airline wants to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> Uh, we'll just stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, this week we are here to talk about two Jewish holidays. Uh, summer is really like a lull time for Jewish holidays, um, but there are a couple because we're Jews. We like need days we, to we need holidays all year long. We we just like need. I don't know if it's specifically to celebrate in this case, but we need to make every day special. That's true. Um, so we are in the month of Av in the Jewish calendar, which is the month of mourning. And we have two holidays coming up within the next few days as we record, Tisha B'Av and then also Tu B'Av. So this episode is a doubleheader where we're going to talk about both Tisha V'Tu B'Av. Okay, so as you know, I absolutely hate the 30-second rundown, but I, I am going to give you a chance to do it. Oh so please, Samantha, give us a 30-second rundown about everything you know about the Avs. <laughs> okay, uh, thank you. That That's like when... I don't know, like, I feel like I'm in elementary school and a teacher being like, you've done so well in this class. You should just do more, like do more work. Um, and like packaging it as like, it's extra credit. So, and Vinicors do do extra credit. That is one of our family mottos. So I am ready for this moment. I'm glad because I, I just called you, I called you out on it. So Thank you. you have to. Thank you. Okay. So I'm setting my own 30 second timer to say everything I know about all the Avs. Okay. Okay. And go. Okay, so as I said, we're in the month of Av, which is a month on the Jewish calendar. Av also means father. I'm not sure if that's necessarily related. Um, Tisha B'Av is the ninth of Av. It is the like peak morning day on the Jewish calendar. It is when both temples were destroyed and is also like known for just being a time where all these horrible things happen to the Jewish people. Then the following week, we have Tu B'Av, which has recently been like packaged as the Jewish Valentine's Day. And it was from biblical times when like... Uh, mating practices goodbye okay so the funny thing is that Tisha B'Av I knew I knew 
everything about well not I think you know everything I mean about I guess it. everything you everything just I said. just said um I know it's the it's the Jewish Valentine's mm-hmm. Day but I have zero idea why do you know why I do so yeah, actually, so Tubav, it's called like a minor Jewish holiday, and in modern Israel, it's celebrated as Chag Ha'avah. <laughs> Chag Ha'avah. There were too many things. <laughs> it's celebrated as Chag Ha'avah, the holiday of love. Um, but originally, it comes from actually the Talmud. So we hear about it in the Mishnah. And of what- course, you know, because <laughs> it's the Talmud. I'm so glad I couldn't do this. And so it says that Tubaav was a joyous holiday in the days of the temple in Jerusalem. And it was the start of the grape harvest. And so on Tubaav, as the start of the grape harvest, and then Yom Kippur was the end of the harvest of the grapes. Um, the unmarried girls of Jerusalem would dress in white garments and go to dance in the vineyards. And the Talmud says that there were no holy days as happy for the Jews as Tubaav and Yom Kippur, um, which is just really interesting. So it, it was is. taken for that to mean like when these unmarried girls would go dance in the uh, in the fields that they could meet men um, but in like a beautiful you know poetic way as the start and end of this harvest and we're joyful because there's a time when all these marriages were happening and it became like a marriage day wow so I like that I didn't know I will provide the disclaimer listeners I knew nothing about this holiday until like I was in my 20s I had never heard of it had no idea that it was a thing. And then when I was living in Israel, um, I guess it became like whatever Israel's equivalent of a Hallmark holiday is because all these restaurants in Jerusalem had like signs up for like Tuba of special and like Jewish Valentine's Day. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know we had a Valentine's Day. Um, and the first year that Noam and I were dating on Tuba of, this is like a very random story. I didn't know, I still cannot emphasize this enough, did not know what it was. And he texted me, can you bring home matches plus lighter? Um, And neither of us are smokers. So I was like, okay, I didn't know exactly what he intended, but I took matches plus lighter to mean he wanted both matches and a lighter. Yeah. So... I don't know what happened or like how out of it I was at that moment. It took me around 11 seconds to require matches, but I couldn't find a lighter. And listeners, anyone who's been in Israel knows you can find a lighter everywhere. literally anywhere. Everywhere. There, this everyone, take, everyone's a smoker in this room. <laughs> no, like this should take no effort. Every kiosk, every convenience store. What did he like, mean though by matches and lighter? He meant matches or a, or lighter. a lighter. But for some reason. So you had the matches, you didn't need a lighter. Well, because I like I got so annoyed in my head with him of like, why would he need matches and a lighter? What did he prepare? Well, all of this was so he could like light candles. He had made like a candlelit dinner oh, thing for Tuba. So it's so sweet. It so takes that was me your first Tuba experience. Yeah, but I was like an hour late to it because I'm running around being like, I don't understand why you needed matches and a lighter. And he was like, I didn't. Why would anyone need both matches and a lighter? And I'm but like, he said plus. He said plus. Okay, so that's his problem. But it was so sweet, and he made me this like he got me like a stuffed animal teddy bear, and he made me this like Tuba of dinner. And I didn't know the context for it at all, but after I got over being mad at him for sending me on this wild goose chase, which again, 
was completely my own fault. Um, it was so lovely. That's really nice. Did you like know what Tuba Av was? Yeah. I grew Forever? up in Israel. So it was always a thing in Israel? We always celebrated Tuba Av in Israel, like everyone. And then Valentine's, I think when I was younger, wasn't that much of a thing. And then American TV came. And then American TV came, and then Valentine's, like, became a thing, and then there are still some people that say, like, no, Valentine's, like, is not, is not, you know, oh, that's a not Jewish ours, thing. Yeah. It's not ours, but in Israel, on Valentine's Day and on Tisha B'Av, it looks the same. Everyone so, celebrates love. So is there anything particular that you did, like, for Tuba B'Av growing up? Like, was it like Valentine's Day in America? It's or? the same. Like, kids give each other, like, cards in school? Um, like, what no, happens? No. That doesn't happen even on Valentine's Day. We just don't do that. But I, it's more like, you know, couples. Yeah. It, it's just couples. Yeah. No, it's so sweet. So it's twice a year that you get, like, a sweet little gift or, like, a dinner or something. Okay, no um, pressure, couples. And fun fact, I actually got married on, t- on Tubev. Oh, my God. You Div- were divorced on a different day, but... <laughs> Okay, so happiest day in the Jewish calendar, except sometimes. <laughs> except when you marry the wrong person. <laughs> Whoopsies. But that's a very good date to have gotten married. Yeah. I oh. was surprised it was open. Yeah, I feel like that's a hot commodity. That's it, like... Apparently not. <laughs> wow. I guess others heard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And we. it's not like we plan like two years in advance. It no, was, it's like, Israeli. It's like yeah, 90 days to the altar. Six <laughs> months to the altar. <laughs> the chuppah, yeah. as it is. Um, you plan it for six months and that's it. And you invite everyone two weeks ahead. Yeah. That's an Israeli wedding. <laughs> I have definitely, like, when I read advice columns, like, mm-hmm. about, you know, people with, like, all their wedding drama, like, all these people should just, like, hang out in Israel for a bit, because I've literally gotten text messages, like, 48 hours before, hey, do you want to come to my wedding? Yeah. And that's not offensive. It's not like, no. oh, like, I was, the, like, the last minute guest. It's like, oh, my God, I'd love to come to your wedding. Yeah, you're like, oh, my God, that's so sweet. Right. Thank you for including Thank me. Thank you for including me. Exactly. <laughs> and also, Israeli weddings are huge. Actually, I have gone to a wedding on Tubav um, for... This is a, again, I, this is my night of random stories. For someone who I had, like, used to date, and then we didn't end up working out it was very like friendly and amicable and we stayed friends and he got married on Tubav and he is one of the people who texted me like 48 hours before his wedding to be like hey I heard you're in Israel do you want to come and I was like yes I would love to come to your wedding and then I wound up sitting at a table with someone else he had also dated who I was also friends with and I was like I don't know what that says about him that he's just able to have all of his exes at his wedding and like we're all just so excited to be there but I think it says something good <laughs> um, about him yeah and about his relationship with his exes exactly that's nice that's all good things so um, you know as long as we're talking about Tubav and everything there are a bunch of romantic foods and like maybe some some dating tips that we can give i'm sure you have you know from all your years with uh with noah maybe maybe a fun date that you did oh or like a romantic food maybe that he cooks that you cook well i guess my first dating tip is if you mean or a plus sign does not (laughs) indicate that too not what i meant (laughs) um you know what i think anything can be like a romantic like food date night thing if it's a shared experience and something that you both enjoy. So like, I don't know if the things intellectually, I'm like, I don't know if the things that we enjoy are romantic, but like, okay, one year. But it's yours. Yeah, it's ours. So like one year, um, 
Oh my god, I feel like we sound ridiculous in every story I tell. I really like that you started smiling immediately when you thought about that. So I really wanted to hear your story. No, just no. Just for the listeners that can't hear, like you know can't see you, you just immediately was like, "Oh my god, I actually do have something." You just started smiling, and I love this. When I was living in Israel, mm-hmm. there were a few different times where I was like craving specific foods from America yeah. that I just like couldn't figure out how to get or how to like acquire, and Noam. Out of all the things that he like doesn't necessarily listen to me of like, do you want to put away the laundry? Do you want to put the laundry away the laundry in like two minutes? Do you want to keep putting away the laundry? Like he doesn't hear those things. But if I'll just like say in passing, oh, like Israel has no cannoli. He will like go above and beyond to figure out how to make it, to find it, to whatever it is. And when we were in Israel, I this was literally my thing. I was like, Israel does not have cannoli. Mm. Um, and I missed it greatly at this moment. And it was like deeply upsetting. And he just like, okay, yeah, that's interesting. And then like two nights later, he takes me to this Italian restaurant and he was like, they have exactly what you wanted. And I look at the desserts and I'm like, no, they don't. Like, it's not there. It's not there. He thought I meant cannellini. And he like looked at all of the restaurants of Jerusalem to find a place that had cannellini pasta. And it was so sweet. Like, it was just... Was he, like, animal. really listened. It turned out he didn't know what a cannoli was. But that's okay. But the like, effort and the thought is what The counts. effort was just, like, that's so really smushy. That's a technical term, listeners. And we've had, like, a few things like that. Like, um, during even the pandemic, when, again, I don't think this is a romantic food, but when I was so sad for Rosh Hashanah or Pesach, I don't remember which one it was, to not be able to go home and be with my family and it just felt like we're here by ourselves like what do we even do and he spent an entire day making rainbow um matzo balls and it was just like again no one would ever say matzo balls are a a romantic food um because there is something that people's grandmothers make but this like act of I know you're missing something and I'm gonna find a way to make it and like make it fun and make it just for you. I was just like, mm. That's um, cute. So I have no recommendations for what actually qualifies as a romantic food, probably steak. <laughs> but um, I think just making it something that's personal and there's effort made and you like the other, the recipient, whomever they are, knows that you made it to make them smile. It's just like the nicest. But what about you? You're an actual chef. Well, so you must know what counts as a romantic food. Do they have a class on this? No. Like date night foods? Mm-mm. Okay. They should, though. They, that would be great. So I think that a romantic... I have, like, two things that I... If I had to do, like, a date at home mm-hmm. and think of, like, a romantic thing, I would probably um, make a cheese plate oh. um, with wine. Oh, I do like cheese Because, like, plate. wine and cheese... Always classics. Is always something that I think is a romantic kind of date. Um, or food, and then uh, I mean, chocolate covered strawberries, anything chocolate, always, always romantic. And as for like a date tip, so during the pandemic, um, Dan and I kind of we had to reinvent dating, yeah, because we couldn't go anywhere, couldn't go anywhere. (laughs) Now we're trying to get back out, like to go date a little bit, but we are not finding the time because we're so busy. Yeah. But anyways, um, so we had we actually did a really fun date, um, and I thought it was extremely romantic. It was fun, and it was at a home. 
What'd you do? I so, haven't had like fun. So, <laughs> so because, you know, every couple usually has like the person that is the cook and the person mm-hmm. that's not, right? So obviously in our little sec in our little unit, um, I'm the cook. Um, and that's Dan, why I would do you. Not. <laughs> so what we did is we covered his eyes mm-hmm. and I don't even remember what we made that day, but we made something and we covered his eyes. He was making it, <gasps> and I was instructing him. I That's was, terrifying. I was right next to him, and I was just instructing him, but he couldn't see what he was doing. That's adorable. Did you chop though? Like, how? Do, what no, are the no. mechanics of this? <laughs> we baked. I have so many questions. <laughs> we baked, and it was something simple, so he didn't have to cut anything. Okay. Okay. Because, um, like, no, I'm an I can't handle that. No, no, with I eyes. Never, I would never do that. <laughs> um. So, so that was really fun. It That's was just like a fun sweet. kind of. It was like an activity. Yeah. So it was a fun date, but also we created something together, and then you know, and then we got to eat it afterwards. And I he felt that. like he did something, but he also like was. It was he all was about, guided. He was guided, so it was also all about like communication and listening, that. and it was really sweet. I love that. I love activity dates because I was like, you know, so many dates. Is, I mean. I love food dates. Do not get me wrong, anyone. But I'm like, so many dates, it's just like, so where are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat? Yeah. And especially during COVID, like, you know, we tried to turn like a hike into a date um, and like just do kind of like activity type things together. Um, we also just like tried to be more intentional about the time we spend in a shared space because we spend a lot of time basically not speaking to each other while sitting in the same room. That like, we both sit in the living room, but with separate headphones in or watching different shows or like one of us working, one of us, you know, I don't know, scrolling on social media. And we were like, we need to, even if we're not going out cause it's COVID um, or not, you know, going out because there's like an apocalyptic rainstorm happening. We can't just like, because we're home, be lazy exclusively about it, but to be like, like this is when we're watching something together. And this is, you know, when we're eating, actually looking at each other instead of just like eyes glazed over, um, which is on our end, at least effort needs to be put into that. Um, but I feel like, okay, so we talked about Tubav, which is the fun one, but we also do have Tisha B'Av, um, which like I said, in my amazing 30 second rundown, yes, self, good job, um, is the day of mourning on the Jewish calendar. Traditionally, it's said to be the day when both temples were destroyed, as well as all these other tragedies that happened to the Jewish people. But what's interesting, at least in an American context, unless you went to a Jewish summer camp, you probably didn't know about Tisha B'Av because it happens during the summer. So if you were in like a Jewish day school or a religious school or like your family went to synagogue, chances are that wasn't happening during the summer. So unless you were at camp and had like a camp experience of it, you might not have known about it. And I like the first memories I have of Tisha B'Av are actually being a teenager and being in Israel with my youth group. And everyone had to, I have a very clear memory. Everyone had to like decide a couple days before if they were gonna be fasting um, or not, because traditionally Tisha B'Av is a fast day and if like you were fasting, you did one activity because like you couldn't go on the hike because it wasn't safe. Or if you weren't fasting, you could still go on a hike. And all these people said that they were definitely like not gonna fast, they're gonna go on the hike, like that's the fun thing to do. And then that year's Harry Potter book came out. 
So all these people decided to fast for Tisha B'Av so that way they wouldn't have to go on the hike and could stay home and read the Harry Potter book. That's ridiculous. Um, So that's obviously like a fun memory of it, even though, again, it's not a fun day. But as I got older, I you know, started to really appreciate like the beauty of the reading of Eicha, which is the traditional text read on Tisha B'Av. It, like, what, what's your story of it? Did you know about it? Was it something that like you were conscious of growing up in Israel? So yeah, but more on the traditional side of, um, cause it's not just, it's not just the day of, it's mm-hmm. also a week before. Right, the or, nine days. Yeah. Nine days. Week plus. A week plus. It's like you're not you're not allowed to go to the beach, mm-hmm. uh, the pool, any like water activity. You don't eat meat. Um, it's only dairy and vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you do a lot of the of the morning traditions. Yeah. So, so and and then of course the fasting. So a lot of my friends came from families that were more observant mm-hmm. and they didn't do all these things yeah. so that's how we start i started learning about it because mm-hmm. in my family um no one really observed it i mean at, at least at home mm-hmm. um and then when my dad became more religious um when i was you know way older yeah. then he started doing it too but growing up no but it was but i did get a lot of it for my friends yeah so then you're aware of it at school and then there was one year i decided i'm fasting um, that did not go well, and then, and then um, grew out of that. That's fine. I had enough fasting on Yom Kippur, but then you know, in the army, again, um, people were asked if they are fasting or not, and then it's kind of funny because a lot of the people that fast on Tisha B'Av mm-hmm. in the army just mm-hmm. do it to get out of, of like that these kids activity. who were going on the hike. Yeah, but like that's actual activity, yeah. and then. The funny thing is that they're always asked, so why do you fast on Tisha B'Av? And I swear, like, 80% do not know how to answer that question, which is kind of funny, because, like, you grow up in this country where a lot, like, a a large percentage of the people actually observe it, even if they're not extremely religious. Right. And no one knows how to answer that question. So I thought it's kind of funny, um, because that that was the one thing I, I, I... Took away from it? Well, and the army. Um, But that is it. I mean, it's mostly just everyone around me. Yeah. I, so every year I find this article that was originally published in Tablet Magazine and listeners, I will share a screenshot of what I'm about to share. That Stop promising our listeners. No, I mean our it. listeners stuff if you're not going to actually do I it. I mean it. Every I'm, episode you promise something and then you don't do it. I'm so good at Instagram. Everyone message us and tell you all that I'm good at Instagram. <laughs> so start posting the things that you promise. I'm going to post this. <laughs> so it's a list that is published in Tablet Magazine. Wait, I just want to say every yes. time I edit an episode, I write down a list of all the things that Samantha promised the oh, listeners. Really? You don't send it to me. I do. I don't. Well, the last few episodes you didn't. You were. Really oh, proud. I was like, I, I'm very proud of you. I was holding back. I've been like the first few episodes, and I was then some excessive. of the things that you promised, I had to edit out. I, I will say because it was just getting to be too much. I just love you all and want to share things. This is a very mean conversation. <laughs> no, oh. why is it mean? <laughs> I like to promise. Anyway, I am sharing this. When you hear this, this will be in the feed. I am not editing this out, so if she does not share this, go to Samantha and bug her. Tell Yael I'm great at Instagram. So you the are, list. You are. I have to tell you. I have to give you credit. 
You are good. The whole Instagram page, the whole how do you do Instagram is only Samantha. <laughs> and if you ever message us there, it's Samantha answering you. Definitely not me. We're good. We, we tagged you. Just like our email. <laughs> email us at howdoyougpod at gmail.com and I will answer you. Anyway, this is called How Summer Camp Should and Shouldn't Observe Tisha B'Av. And it's just a list of like traumatizing things oh, no. that camp counselors do. But I think they're really funny. I'm going to read you a few and you tell me what you think. Okay. Okay. Number one, the worst thing was having kids build a model temple only to have the counselors burn it. Oh my God. Or to burn letters that kids wrote about their hopes and aspirations. This was a program taken straight out of PTSD for idiots. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Number two. I remember Tisha B'Av at camp as a catch-all for every sad thing that has ever happened to the Jewish people. I can recall trekking around to different locations around camp where various historic episodes were acted out. The Crusades, the Inquisition, pogroms, the Holocaust, etc. A potpourri of Jewish tragedy. And then the Israelis lit stuff on fire. Oh my God, that is horrible. <laughs> okay, here's another one. Um, when I was eight, our teacher came in with a badly mimeographed pages saying that all the synagogues in the world had just been destroyed. Her aim was for us to think that this was an actual newspaper and that it would force us to think about Tisha B'Av. In reality, we spent the class asking her what newspaper this was and why it didn't look like a real newspaper and why we hadn't heard this from our parents. She finally admitted that this wasn't actually real and that she was just trying to get us to feel kind of sort of like when the temple was destroyed. Talk about post-trauma. Um, like, this is crazy. Um, wait, here's another one. I just can't imagine those kids going back home, like, traumatized. No, there's so much trauma. This one I read at least four times and was like, I don't understand how a camp allowed this. Okay. I remember the mock hanging of a camper, which I think was supposed to be a scene from the Holocaust. A female camper a year younger than I was dressed in an orange jumpsuit and a burlap bag was placed over her head. A noose was put around her neck and she stepped onto a wooden platform. Someone took an ax and cut the platform so that it appeared she was hanging from the noose. We knew that she was not really being hanged and that it was a reenactment from a period of history, but it appeared very real. It was very disturbing. Based Someone <laughs> got fired. <gasps> I hope so. You'd be surprised what it takes to get fired from a Jewish summer camp, especially in the middle of the year. Well, that kind of seems like... I would hope that that qualifies. That's and like from a handmaid's tale. No, it's terrifying. And then there was like another one that was, you know, we set, we burned a lot of candles in memory of the temple. One year, the sand caught fire. I'm like, okay. That the sand? The sand caught fire. What was in that sand? Right, though? Like, I, there are a lot of follow-up sand questions. Sand is usually what you would pour on. A no, I, I understand. <laughs> oh, um, my God. So, it's like, there's a lot going on. I think it's interesting that we take this date and add so much of Jewish history onto it. And, like, before Yom HaShoah was established, there was, like, a conversation of should we just add, like, Holocaust remembrance onto Tisha B'Av um, and it really being just like this all-encompassing just like all the bad stuff yeah it is a it's a three-week um mourning period um what what do you think that we can learn from the shabbat and the three weeks um of mourning today so I think that part of what makes Tisha B'Av meaningful now is that it's really this mourning of a collective experience it's not that 
your family suffered a loss and mine didn't, like there might be in like a modern tragedy or disaster, or I went through something in a different way than you did. The loss of the temples and kind of everything they symbolized was a mourning for the entire Jewish people. And there's a teaching that the reason that the temples were destroyed was because of senseless hate from between people, that they hated each other for no reason and they treated each other poorly and then the temple went away. And Rav Kook, who was the first um, chief rabbi in the pre-state period in Israel, um, said that the only way that they would be rebuilt was through boundless love or like un, you know, just um, unencumbered love. And I think that right now, you know, we've talked on this podcast several times about anti-Semitism. Um, we've talked about it offline as well. And I think one of our speakers, um, and I don't remember which one it was, but shout out to you, said that one of the problems with anti-Semitism right now is it's so easy to blame the other, that if you identify on the left, it's so easy to say the problem is on the right. If you're on the right, it's easy to say the problem is on the left and to like defect the problems that you basically don't wanna deal with and say it's somebody else's fault or problem. And when we have this experience that we say, we're all in this together and we might look at it differently and like i'm sure you know in temple times people had each other to blame and to say if you hadn't done this we would be in a better place or if that other faction was better like there's so much to learn from but ultimately there's a shared collective experience and right now we're having a shared collective experience as a people not necessarily saying it's that bad, but um, that we need to be focusing on the boundless love instead of the senseless hate. And I think there's a lot of healing that we could learn from from this holiday. Always around uh, Tisha B'Av in Israel, people start talking about Avat Chinam. Mm -hmm. So uh, free love, yeah. you know? So yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's very important. and. It's it does it never it's never outdated. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. This is a timeless lesson. Yes, exactly. So on that note, um, mm -hmm. thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about Tubav, which I love. I am really excited for a blindfold date night. Um, hope neither of us get hurt. I learned from you. Pick something. Pick something easy. I'm telling you. Like, like, do you want to pour cereal like with everything? Me? <laughs> <laughs> that works. But like everything in like a one bowl situation, okay. like measuring cup situation. So I, like that. usually a, a very simple cake or chocolate chip cookies. Okay, maybe we can handle Something that. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> I will report back. I do not promise to put it on Instagram because I'm gonna be honest, it'll probably be a disaster, but the intention is beautiful. I'll show you the photos from our day. It was at his old apartment. Listeners, if you wanna share with us either how you tubaav, how you tishabaav, how all of this affects how you do, um, you can reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram, where I will update, at howdoyoujewpod. You can email us at howdoyoujewpod at gmail.com. Check out our website at howdoyoujewpod.com. And of course, wherever you are listening to this podcast, subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, share it with your friends, make new friends in order to share it with them, and um, keep being a loyal listener. And um, if I get approval from Dan, I will let you post on our Instagram the photo from our date. Can't wait. Uh, maybe as a story, so it only lasts for like 24 hours. Um, and until next time, happy Jewish. <laughs>